Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Addict, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. During today's show, I'll be sharing reviews of four films that are on this week's top ten box office list. Those movies are The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 1, Tower Heist, Hugo, and my favorite, The Muppets. Now that's quite a diverse group, a romantic fantasy, an action comedy, a musical, and a love letter to movie buffs from Martin Scorsese. But before we begin, let's check with Danny Dyer, who graciously agreed to be our chat wrangler today. Danny, are all systems going in the chat room? Yes, ma'am. That's great. Would you uh, be willing to tell people who are listening and um, maybe our first-time listeners how they can uh, sign up in the chat room? Yes, if you go to the top right-hand side of your computer screen, scroll up to the top of the web page, you will click Sign Up. And you can do that. It's absolutely free. It takes a couple of minutes. And then come back to the show, and you can get all the behind-the-scenes chat. <laughs> yes, and, and Danny always has the red carpet out for the, for the chatter, so we appreciate that. And thanks so much, Danny, and, and to the people who sign up for the chat. We really appreciate our chatters, as well as our other listeners. I hope everyone enjoys the show. The first movie I'd like to cover is the latest Twilight offering. Uh, Danny, have you seen any of the Twilight uh, movies? Yes, I, well, I feel like I've watched all of them, but then when I watched the most recent one that came out, I felt like I had missed one. <laughs> so oh. I, I think I've watched all of them, but I, I've read the books too, so sometimes I just get confused. <laughs> well, um, I've seen, I have seen all of them, and I I felt a little bit um, uh, worried at the beginning of, of this one too that that maybe I wasn't paying attention during the last last uh, film, but really, uh, Danny, I feel like I I have to apologize for Twilight fans because I know how much they love this franchise, and after all, they are the target audience, and this this particular movie has already earned. $220 million at the box office. But unfortunately, Bre Breaking Dawn Part 1 begins with the two main characters, uh, everybody knows, Bella and Edward, and they're getting married in one of the dullest wedding ceremonies I've seen on film. And Danny, <laughs> although I didn't think it was possible, things went downhill from that 
point on. Well, there's a honeymoon that starts on a romantic note, and you always like it when that happens. But some injuries and a troubling pregnancy change what should be a happy time for the newlyweds into a nightmare. And not having read the Twilight Saga books, I can't comment on how well this film treatment sticks to the uh, to the story. But as a fan of the first Twilight movie, I feel very disappointed with this fourth uh, offering. Now, you say you have seen this recent this recent one, Breaking Dawn. Yes. Did you have a sense I, of disappointment? Yeah, it was not. I was so excited to see it, and I'm a Twilight fan. I have all the books. I love all the books. And like I said, I feel like I've seen all the movies. But when it started, I did feel like I had missed something, like there was a whole section missing. <laughs> and then the farther it went on, I felt like it was just, and I hate to say this because I'm a big, I, I love Twilight and Harry Potter and all that. I'm I'm definitely big on series movies. I love anything that is a mm-hmm. series. So I was just let down by the movie. Period. Yeah, I it was. Uh, was yeah, it was just it was, it was disappointing. Not fun. I felt it, like I had wasted my time at the movie theater. <laughs> Well, I didn't feel quite that bad, but, you know, I think any film dealing with vampires and werewolves and forbidden love should be exciting, and yet this one mm-hmm. it just moves along slower than a snail's pace, and, of course, there's the lovely scenery and, and some of the uh, special effects. I love it when, when uh, Jacob turns into, is running and he turns into a, a werewolf, but... Uh, Kristen Stewart, who plays Bella, Robert Pattinson, who plays Edward, and Taylor Lautner, who plays Jacob, do a fine job portraying the members of this bizarre love triangle. But in this movie, it just leaves them with little to do except suffer. You know, there's just suffering from from beginning to end. I mean, after the after the little bit of uh, romance in the in the beginning with the uh, with the honeymoon, I think that Bella endures one of the most painful pregnancies on record, at least on film. And and I just yeah. it just was strange to see her just constantly rubbing her stomach and insisting on carrying the baby full term, even though her her own health was deteriorating. And I don't know how you felt about this, Danny, but when, when her violent labor begins, it was so overly dramatic that the scene was was almost a comical scene and i had taken my daughter along with me now she's an adult she's got grown children of her own but she let out a laugh that was so loud that i had to cover her mouth to save her you know from twilight fans i think so i had to just you know quiet her down (laughs) and then poor edward his guilt Seems almost out of control. Uh, I guess he had no idea a human could become pregnant by a vampire because all he ever wanted was to make Bella happy and to protect her from the bad vampires, as you'll remember, you know, through the other movies, as well as from his own desires as a vampire. And then Jacob, of course, he all, just as always, he sees himself as Bella's protector, which ends up putting him at odds with his his entire werewolf pack of course everyone harbors Mm -hmm. uh worries about the baby is it a human or a vampire so so i guess uh danny uh our wish for bella and edward to live happily ever after may not come true at least until 
there's one more, right? Breaking Dawn Part 2, which will arrive in multiplexes, I think, uh, next year. And um, despite everything I've complained about here, I don't plan to miss uh, the last Twilight Saga film. Do you? I mean, you're going to see it to the very end, aren't you? Yes, because as I said before, I love series and I have to watch the end. But you know what? I about laughed at a part in the movie, too. I thought it was so for lack of better vocabulary, corny. <laughs> when <laughs> was... the Yeah, when it yeah. was especially when Jacob was there with all his wolf friends and they were growling and going on and talking, but they're you know, they were just animated wolves. I laughed. I thought that was the corniest thing. <laughs> Well, you shame on you and my daughter. I mean, I'm not going to take either one of you with me to the last uh, Twilight Saga movie at all. Well, let's let's turn now to uh, a different uh, genre entirely, and this is the uh, the action comedy called Tower Heist. Did you see? Did you happen to see this one? I did not, but I want to see it so bad. I do. I do recommend it. Um, it it really is not your ordinary heist uh, cliched heist movie i mean that was that's getting pretty old but not but this one i mean it contains one of the most creative suspenseful robbery sequences ever filmed and it's got a great ensemble uh, cast led by Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller Alan Alda Tia Leone and the story deals with uh, this uh, billionaire played uh, by Alan Alda, and he lives in an ultra-expensive New York City penthouse apartment, which is large enough to house a 1963 red Porsche as part of its decor, so you can imagine how huge it is. And he just, oh, he gets the service from all the employees there. They just really go overboard. And the building manager is played by... Ben Stiller. He's always admired this guy. In fact, he's the one who talked the other employees into asking um, the Alan Alda character to manage their pension funds. Then imagine the surprise when he finds out that uh, the guy is under investigation for financial fraud and that all of his money and his co-workers' funds are gone. Don't you hate it when that happens? (laughs) (laughs) But then, all may not be lost, because the FBI agent that's working the case, and played by uh, Teal Leone, she tells Ben Stiller's character that uh, the wealthy billionaire may have a large sum of money stashed away in his plush apartment. And so, of course, the heist plan starts to take uh, form, which can't be pulled off uh, just by one person, naturally. So he bails out a guy named Slide, played by Eddie Murphy, and uh, he thinks that 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 he's a thief he, because he bails him out of jail and he's from his old neighborhood. And so he thinks, well, well Slide has experience as a thief. And he then recruit, uh, recruits other trusted co-workers, uh, played by Ben Affleck, not Ben, Casey Affleck, and um, uh, Pena, Manuel Pena, Michael Pena, Stephen Henderson, and um, uh, Gabby Sibide, who played in Precious. 
if you remember her, she was an uh, Oscar nominee. And he also talks to one of the Tower residents who's about to be evicted, played by Broderick Crawford, into the into the uh, plan. And they, this is a motley crew indeed. They face serious obstacles to pull off this robbery, but they have. But we we just love watching them work together and seeing some of the surprises occur as the plan unfolds. The director, Danny, was Brett Ratner. Now, he's, he did X-Men, The Last Stand, and a lot of other um, action movies. And he starts this one out with a slow pace, but then, wow, he makes up for it with plenty of suspenseful action during the robbery and tower climax scenes. And there are some amusing interactions especially when Eddie Murphy's character challenges the wannabe robbers to prove they can steal something because he he thinks they're all too, you know, sort of elitist. They're not going to be able to uh, get their hands dirty. And uh, you will just, when you see this, and I know you will, you will really want to boo Alan Alda. He just pr- projects conceit to the max as the villain of the piece. And Ben Stiller and Tia Leone are great together. They're almost as great in this film as they were in uh, Flirting with Disaster, which is my favorite Ben Stiller film. There's a very unusual thing being stolen in this film. It turns out it's not the money that's being stolen. It's something else, which I can't reveal without violating my film critic oath. And so the special effects folks, they really had to work hard, and so did the cinematographer, because everything looks quite real, even though it's so, it's it's more far-fetched than if you'd see Rush Limbaugh appearing as Santa Claus with the Rockettes during the Christmas show at Radio City Music Hall. And it has an ending that may not uh, satisfy some viewers, but it sure is uh, an entertaining movie. It's very, very entertaining to watch. So, so now um, I've um, persuaded you to be sure and see Tower Heist, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sold. <laughs> You're sold. Well, well, when you go, you are going to find it that it is very, very uh, entertaining movie, and uh, not at all like the other uh, heist films that. Uh, that we've been seeing lately. And speaking of entertaining movies, I have to include, of course, my review of The Muppets because you know how excited we were last week during our Muppet Mania show about uh, being first in line to see The Muppets. And I wasn't exactly first in line, but it, but I did see it on on Thanksgiving. And being a Muppets fan, I look forward to any project where they're involved, and um, I didn't expect it to be one of the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetational shows ever, (laughs) and it was just delightful. It has catchy songs and dances, funny dialogue, and nostalgic sequences, and the human characters are almost as lovable as the Muppets themselves. Now, I know you had a very busy Thanksgiving, so you probably didn't get off to see uh, see the Muppets, did you? No. Well, I really, really want you to see it because, you know, you voiced Miss Piggy so beautifully on our uh, show last week, and that's the only criticism I had with the Muppets. 
I wish you had voiced Miss Piggy <laughs> in the Muppet <laughs> in the Muppet movie because <laughs> I I understood you I understood you a lot more than I understood uh, Miss Miss Piggy in the movie. But this movie ties everything together with that simple plot that we talked about last week involving the plans to save the Muppet Theater from being destroyed by a, a greedy oil baron played with great relish by Chris Cooper, as you've never seen him before. And when Walt, this is a new a new Muppet, uh, he's a Muppet look-alike and a longtime fan. When he discovers what um, Chris Cooper's uh, character has in store for that location, he recruits his brother Gary, played by Jason Segel, and Gary's girlfriend, Mary, played by Amy Adams, to help find Kermit. They first first have to find Kermit, hoping something can be done to keep that theater intact. And so Kermit finally agrees, we were right about that last week, to get his Muppet friends back together in order to put on a telethon to save the day. And in the process, they have to face many obstacles, but it's such a treat to see how they deal with such problems as locating Miss Piggy. You were not that easy to find in this movie. <laughs> they had to <laughs> use special transportation <laughs> to find Miss Piggy. Then they had to had to recruit a celebrity host for the show, and you're going to be surprised at who that celebrity host turns out to be. And then they have to give the villain his well-deserved comeuppance. And Jason Siegel. I was not a fan of his. In, um, I saw him in Gulliver's Travels, and um, Jack Black was in that too. That was not one of Jack Black's best films. But Jason Siegel also co-wrote this screenplay, and he was the, the screenplay is just hilarious. And Jason provided one of the unexpected highlights here. He's so endearing as uh, Walt's concerned brother. We have a human and a Muppet, you know, that are brothers. I thought that was interesting. And his enthusiastic singing and dancing complements the great musical performance by uh, Amy Adams. She's just so wonderful when she's singing and dancing. Remember how great she was in Enchanted. Then Jack Black plays Animal's Anger Management Sponsor. (laughs) And Emily oh, Blunt. Yeah, I know. That's a, a terrific scene. And Emily Blunt uh, is uh, Miss Piggy's officious receptionist. She also stands out. And all the Muppets are as cute as they can be, even the most bizarre ones like the disturbing new Muppets. You'll remember uh, our, our Fozzie Bear last week talked about uh, going to Reno and joining the Muppets, and they're they're really quite uh, uh quite disturbing i think disturbing is the right word for that so the the director who's a new director uh, as far as i'm concerned i've never seen any film that he directed called james bobbin and the film's musical supervisor brett mckenzie deserve kudos because of the wonderful musical numbers in this film. You know, I'm the world's most avid uh, movie musical fan. And whenever I think about Life's a Happy Song, Me Party, uh, Amy Adams is going to be alone. She's alone too much, and she sings this song called She's Having a Me Party. And then Manor Muppet, where Jason Siegel and Walt are looking in the 
they're looking in the mirror. One wants to be a Muppet and another one wants to be a man. <laughs> and, so it's, and it's just so so clever the way they did it. I, I just feel so so good whenever I, I just think about those musical numbers. I have to get the soundtrack. Surely there's a soundtrack out for that. And as we talked about last week, you know, the Muppets have been missing from the big screen for about 12 years now. Um, and so like so many fans, I've been definitely longing for for their re- return. And uh, so I, I'm glad that we can welcome welcome them back and not be ashamed at all about the movie. I think this is actually, this is their best movie. So if you get a chance, Danny and other listeners, be sure to, to take in The Muppets. Now, uh, listeners, if you haven't heard last week's Muppet Mania show featuring Morgan Lawrence and Danny and Danny Dyer as Kermit and Miss Piggy, please be sure to listen to the archives. Morgan and Danny are awesome, and I want to thank them again for adding their voice talents to that uh, fun episode. Did you have fun doing that, Danny? That was so fun, but it was so hard. <laughs> I know. And you and Morgan worked worked so hard on that too, and uh, I just but I, people have commented on it and they they really they really enjoyed it and I I go back and listen to it when I when I want to have a few laughs and think about uh, uh, how great you were doing that and how nice it was of both of you uh, to do that little skit for us. Now our final film is Martin Scorsese's Hugo which marks a complete change in content for this acclaimed director. As we all know, Scorsese usually deals with gritty, violent topics. In fact, my husband expressed concern over the gratuitous nonviolence in Hugo. (laughs) And it's Scorsese's first 3D movie, which I thought would make it difficult for me because my eyes don't adjust to this process. But I have to admit, this movie was... Excuse me. <clears throat> was quite an amazing experience for me. I'm going to have to get a drink of water. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> ah, that's better. The movie brought me right into the clock tower of a train station in 1931 Paris. My colleague Diana Sanger, who couldn't be here today, wrote a beautiful review of this unusual movie. She starts out by saying, thank you, Martin Scorsese, for delivering a film we can finally savor this year. Then she goes on to tell a little bit about the the, mu- uh, the movie. She says that Hugo is played by Asa Butterfield. What a lovely youngster. He's a tough and inventive orphan living in the clock tower of a Parisian train station in 1931. Why he wanders through a maze of floors and stairways to make sure the clocks are always on time is at first a mystery. Where's his family and why does he have to steal food? The answers lie with Scorsese, who takes great delight in slowly unfolding the mystery and magic of John Logan's beautiful screenplay. It's soon revealed that Hugo's father passed away and his uncle, who was left to care for Hugo, eventually takes off. So Hugo has made the train station his home. He scurries around through vendor carts and with the speed of a mouse and is just as quick at grabbing fruit or a bread bite before he's caught. 
He finally does get snared by an elderly shop owner played by Ben Kingsley. The owner, owner's uh, goddaughter, Isabel, befriends Hugo, and uh, she tells him to stand up for her godfather, who has uh, taken a very precious booklet from Hugo. It's so... Uh, Oh, just delightful to watch the two youths become fast friends, each of them teaching about uh, teaching the other amazing things about their lifestyles. And Hugo learns that Isabel's godfather is the famous filmmaker Georges Méliès, who gave up a life behind the camera making impressive early films, and he refuses even to talk about them now. The production design in this movie by Dante Ferretti looks like a brilliant, glistening ornament on a bare Christmas tree, according to Diana. And I agree, it's exquisite. Every corner Hugo turns, every person in the station reveals a moment of awe and pure magic. And in addition to the sensational cast, there are some real treasures here for classic movie fans, especially if, you, if you're aware of Georges Bellier's work. As a director, he made more than 500 films starting in the late 1800s, and Hugo spotlights a few, such as A Thousand and One Nights and A Trip to the Moon, a 1902 film where a rocket flew into the eye of the man in the moon. Now, I can tell from reading Diana's review and you can tell from listening to it that she believes this film should be considered uh, very, very seriously um, as an extraordinary gift to film lovers everywhere. She says it ends up as a wonderful tribute to creative storytelling, early cinema, and magic. And I can't help agreeing with Diana about uh, Hugo's incredible production design and cinematography, and I definitely recommend it uh, to movie lovers everywhere. Is Hugo a film that you're uh, putting on your must-see list, Danny? Yes, it was already on there, but you just really talked me into it. Good. That's what. <laughs> that's my purpose. I definitely wanted to do that. Well, uh, I wanted to see if there were any comments or questions from from the chatters that you'd like to share with us about these movies that we've been talking about. No comments, but we had some hellos. Some hellos. Well, hello to the chatters. We really, uh, we really do appreciate them, and um, I do see that our time is almost up. So, Danny, I want to thank you for helping with the chat today. Thanks also again to the chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone comes back next time for a special tribute to the late great comic actress Madeline Kahn. Our guests include comedian Nancy Lombardo and film historian James Colt Harrison. Plus, George Bettinger has given us permission to include a delightful interview he had with Madeline during the height of her popularity. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support. That's all for now, folks. So here's Brian Ferry with a reminder to us about another great movie, this time from the past. Here's As Time Goes By from Casablanca.
is A size just a size The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers move They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of day Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his name That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world will always welcome lovers As time goes by Yeah. 